Oh, we're shooting through these. Pew, 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 pew. I don't know about shooting through. It's taken us all day to do five. Well, yeah. But... I mean, a good chunk of that was was waiting for you to go to the loo as well. <laughs> <laughs> well this, this, is, this is the life we've chosen. Yes. Right, I, right, okay, so I'll explain the toilet habits. I have I have Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, and as a result, I have a really stretchy but very delicate bladder, <laughs> which means a drop of water, and it's it's just immediately expands, and I'm like, I need a wee immediately, and it's kind of, go now, <laughs> or go now. So how do you get started? Uh, what, meaning no, wee? No, or... not with the wee, with the, no. <laughs> well, what I do I is tell first, you I what, I tell you what, we We'd better have some titles. Yes, we, we probably, <laughs> and then we can be sensible. Welcome to Murdering a Podcast: Two Writers' Journey to Produce a Narrative Murder Mystery. So today on the show, we're talking about story structure um, and bladders, apparently. That's, yeah. <laughs> all of the stuff we do ends up being some, some, some somewhat body related. Um, yeah. <laughs> um and but we wanted to talk about story structure because god that was a segue wasn't it it was (laughs) um we wanted to talk talk about story structure because it's something that we've both looked into a lot that Mm. we both do differently uh, and have different experiences with and yet it's something that is so prevalent when you talk about writing for the very first time when you go and look into it everybody is but i i need that structure i need that structure i need that structure and i think the reason is that um i've seen it happen with businesses and this is why i i I think this i'm not just pulling something out of my you see i was going to say bottom and that's again it's all bottoms with us <laughs> I, so i've seen with businesses this thing where they they think i'm going to set a business i want it to do this but now i need a plan to do it but mm. the plan that i've used before possibly isn't good enough i need to wait around for the next thing that's going to tell me the secret of why i need to i'm going to do it and that's a lot of businesses just sort of sit there not doing anything because they're waiting for somebody to come along and go this is the secret to the thing and i think that story structure ends up being a lot like that as well um Mm. so what i'd love to do in this episode isn't just story structure but how you can get beyond story structure and actually start bloody writing mm. as well <laughs> so yeah, how do you that's... the first the first word what do you how do you get started how do you how do you start um oh god that one's always that's the hardest question you can ask a writer because it's you just start the best way to start writing is to write yeah um and it sounds like the most useless piece of advice that you can give someone how to start writing start writing um you've got to break that habit haven't you you've got to sort of get beyond stationary i suppose yeah um of which i have an obsession that is unbelievable but with stationary that is but um it's like, i see i meant stationary as in as in as in stood still and stood not still. moving oh, and yeah, yeah not not pens and paper and and things like, like that That's... <laughs> but uh, yeah so the yeah it's i mean it is the hardest thing i mean one of the things is is, is habit is is make it a habit to write so that was the first rule i got taught as a writer is is make it a habit so terry pratchett in his um 
his book and Stephen King says the same. Was it Terry Pratchett? I think Terry Pratchett did an article on it or he's done some writing on how to write and Stephen King says the same thing. Um, Stephen King's got a brilliant autobiography and it's kind of a combination of autobiography and how to write thing and I can't remember what it's called. It's called On Writing. It's one of the few things that I've seen professional writers, people who do it, you know, who aren't just trying to teach people how to write. It's one of the few books I've seen them going, oh, you've got to get hold of this. Yeah, um, absolutely. It, it, and really I say that to anybody. it really is worth it. It really is worth a read. On Writing is a beautiful, beautifully laid out book. It gives you some really, really wonderful advice. Whilst um, we're talking about books, just for a second, there's also this thing called The Elements of Style. Mm. Um, and if you... This, this little silver book is everything you need to know about grammar. I Absolutely will be buying everything. that after this. Uh, I'm I, already I going have, on to Amazon. <laughs> there you go. I I have <laughs> had I've bought more copies of this book than anything else, and I've given it to many, 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 many people over the years because I think it is such a good little little book. Um, so it's called Elements of Style. Uh, yes, Ooh. it's Strunk and White, the Elements of Style, and oh, this is the fourth brilliant. edition, but I may have always be another one. Um, yeah, it's available on Amazon. Um, you you can get it in a hard copy. Links in That's the show going notes. in my basket. There you go. That'll be the next book that I put on my big pile of tea leaves. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, yes. it's... Sorry, carry on. No, uh, it's, it's just this is such a good tool for writers. It's just remarkable. Mm. Um, the, but yeah, going back to the on writing thing, and I think but I, I read it from Terry Pratchett and I read it from on the, in the book on writing. He said the best thing you can do is have it. It's, it's get into the habit of writing. And even, it doesn't matter how much. Mm. And this is the advice I give any new writer that comes to me and says, how do you get started writing? I go, write something. Something yeah. is better than nothing. Having that attitude towards writing. So there are some days that I come and sit down at my computer and I write two sentences. But that's all I can get out of my brain that day. I, I and, tell you what, actually, there's a, there's a writer called Ben Aronovich. Mm. Uh, who wrote uh, Remembrance of the Daleks, the Doctor Who serial back in the 1980s. But he's also okay. writing the Peter Grant books, uh, which starts with Rivers of London, if you want to look that up. It's, it's a really great um, police procedural series with magic. Ooh, it's the I only like way I can just... Yeah, you'll, you'll really <laughs> like it, yeah. Um, I, worth getting the audiobook as well, which is read by a guy called Cobner Holbrook-Smith and does a fantastic job of it. Really, I love these things. And, uh, yeah, and the new book's coming out. Anyway, every day he tells people how many words he's written. Mm. And that has, that has been really good just because you see somebody who is a professional writer who is doing that day in, day out, and sometimes they haven't written very many words. Yeah. And that's fine. It's perfectly all right. It's perfectly all right to say, okay, my goal is two pages a day. If on day one you don't do anything and on day two you do four pages, it's fine. Yeah. I tend to say something is better than nothing. So even if you're writing a sentence, try and get yeah. a sentence in try one day. If, yeah. At the very least, get a sentence out of your head. And even if it's rubbish, it doesn't matter. It's the whole writing with your heart, editing with your head. Yeah. As a, I tell when you what, the putting yourself in a position where you are sat somewhere doing nothing but, you know, it's your writing time. And you probably won't be writing, yeah. you'll be staring out into space thinking. 
it's fine, but giving yourself just even just giving yourself that time is going to start yeah. to form the habit of actually doing something. Yeah, you know. absolutely. And again, I think that's in on writing as well. Is 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 carve yourself out that time in the day. And, yeah. and he says, yeah. doesn't matter what anybody says. Doesn't you know? Stuff your commitments. That find time. Find a yeah. time. Every day, even if it's 10 minutes, even if it's 20 minutes, start out small and gradually grow. And that is your time. That is your time to write. doesn't matter, you know, just just try and get something written. And even if you're writing, scribbling something down in a notebook or putting it on a computer or, like you say, staring into space and trying to think of ideas, mm. use that time and carve it out in the day and get into the habit of writing. Because once yeah. you get into the habit, it's... The other one is free writing. If you've ever heard of, I'm sure you have. I yeah, I've I got a few. I had a free writing app a little while ago actually that would mm. would help with that. But go and explain it's, it for the. Okay, so when I when I was doing an open university course on writing, it was one of the first thing they told you to do is free write. So you go into the, one of the classroom settings that we did. Most of it was done at home, but occasionally you'd go into into a classroom, and it literally is you just write and you just start writing you don't think about what you're writing you don't process what you're writing you just write anything that comes into your head words and what will happen is about 10 percent of it's useful if that if you're lucky yeah 90 percent of it is yeah. rubbish but in that 10 percent or even that five percent you might get a story idea and you keep doing that until something emerges um and then Again, it, it, the other thing is as well, just getting out, of the, getting out of the idea that it has to be perfect, that it has to be readable when you first write it. That was my biggest mm. um, brick wall when I first started writing. Is I was trying to write without the need to, because I thought, oh well, all right, every every other writer in the world they do, and they they write and then they put out their book and then it's done. They and yeah, I didn't even think yeah. about that uh, beyond that point. So I'm trying to write it so that it sounds good on the first draft. Um, and that will make you that will give you writer's block quicker than you can say <laughs> if, if you've never done it before on average and this is with short stories and with novels i'd say there's probably about three drafts after your initial draft before it mm. actually gets anywhere gets to the publishing stage or the or the, even the typesetting stage in some cases so i'd say probably i mean i do that. more than that but yeah i mean Every writer has to edit their work. Yeah. Um, the longer you're writing, the less you have to edit. Um, because I'm not sure that's learn. true. I, I no? think uh, no. I think you'll you'll because uh, I I know that there are authors out there who are still spending the same amount of time editing. I think that you know you can cut down the revisions when you learn more things about what yeah, people that's, expect. Sorry, that's what I'm that's what I'm trying but, to say. Yeah, but I think that you'll probably spend the same amount of time doing it. Because as you cut out an odd revision, you'll be spending longer on the, the previous edit to get those things right in the first place. Yeah. So when I say less doing less editing, I don't mean in terms of ticking time. I'm talking about sure. you might go from five edits or ten edits down yeah. to, you know, you, you, the number of revisions you have to, you do, have to do will yeah. reduce. Mm. Um, you will have a better, a slightly better quality the first time you write. But Big, that's purely because of lessons that you've learned from editing previously. You can, yeah. you can, you know, but you will still have to edit. You will always have to edit your work. And, you know, I very rarely, if ever, show anyone my first draft because it is terrible. My first <laughs> draft of anything is awful. Um, and then it's it's the editing that makes it makes it good. So forget trying to make it good when you write. Just mm. write. Mm. Just write and then edit. Worry about making it good in the edits. That That would be my advice. 
and a good a good thing because again we're going to talk about story structure and, mm. and i want to talk about jim butcher in a second but um a really good idea is to know your characters well well before you even put a bit of pen to paper or your and you, you know even if you don't write because i don't write by writing it all down first by writing all of that mm. stuff down first, if you as it get, getting clear in your head the voice that your character has, and I don't mean the way that they speak, but the actual things that they say, the lens through which they they see the world, just get that clear in your head, and then you'll be able to write anything for them, yeah. absolutely anything. Um, that's a re- that was a really big turning point, I think, for me was to to go from. I need to write a thing with jokes in, because that's what I was doing. I need to write a thing with jokes in to, I need to write a thing where this person with a funny perspective is talking to this other person with a funny but contrary perspective. Yeah. Um, And it still means that you'll get through the script and you'll put in jokes and things like that. But because you're thinking about them in a different way and because you're thinking about the character first, you make better choices. Yeah. That's all it is. Yeah. And I'd say there's no wrong way and there's no right way to structure or, or plan necessarily. It's it's No, there are lots of different ways and we'll talk about them in a minute, but yeah. Yeah. Um but it's choosing the one that's right for you. I mean, I personally I've chosen uh, you know, I've I've chosen the Dan Harmon story cycle and then I've just worked in my own sort of bits into it. Um, so let's let's start talking then about the different types of story structure and maybe hmm. the the very basic ones first and then try and move up through through that to the very very complicated <laughs> ones uh of which i suppose hero's journey sits in two or three different places depending on where you get it from um yeah. so I, I the the simplest structure i've seen isn't a structure at all in fact the first two simplest structures i've seen aren't structures at all um, the one is the snowflake method, which, and incidentally, you can find out information about all of these things on the web by just typing in the snowflake method. But whereabouts I can, I will put information in the snow, uh, the snow notes. That's not right. <laughs> <laughs> in the show notes, I told you words aren't working for me today, uh, so that you can click a link uh, and find it. But that's only if you visit our podcast, Murdering. Uh, no, our website. Dear God, what's wrong with me today? Only if you <laughs> I'm visit. I'm just quite okay, happy know, sitting here I listening know. to your struggle. It's funny. Should we start again? <laughs> right. Okay. Visit our website, murderingapodcast.com. You'll get all of this information. If you don't get all of this information, there'll be a little bit of information in the show notes that we put on to Apple and Spotify and Google and all that sort of stuff. But the best information that you'll get about each episode is going to be on that website, where you can also find links to the store that may or may not be there straight away, but is it's going to be there at some point. Um, and to our Patreon, uh, and we've got a very unique way that we are putting money into both the Mystery Lounge, which is a non-profit thing, and uh, into uh, this podcast, which is going to pay us and give us more equipment and make it better for you guys. Anyway, um, so the very simplest thing I've, I've seen is the snowflake method. And the mm. snowflake method is just uh, come up with an idea, and that's your big idea. And then ask yourself a question about that idea and answer that question. But that question needs to be a smaller part of that big idea. 
So you might go, okay, well, uh, I want to do a, a detective story set in, let's say, Canada, uh, where we find out in the end that the killer is really um, a bear, but the bear has been <laughs> baited into killing people by the the town drunk who used to be um dear god that's a convoluted plot who used who used to have a lot of money and be the guy who who owned everything in the town but that was stolen from him so he's trying to get revenge on uh the the people in that town that's that's an idea off literally off the top of my head <laughs> <laughs> so that's that you know that stuff about it okay okay well what's what's the next thing well tell us about the town a little bit more um find out about the characters a bit more and you zoom into to what that is but the actual snowflake method book takes you fairly succinctly through questions that you can ask yourself in order to get to a point where you know the plot really well. And instead of actually giving you a structure for something, it gets you writing a lot faster, um, which is what I quite like about it. Because once you've answered these questions, one of the questions ends up being, okay, well, well then what happens in this chapter? Or what happens in this part of the chapter? So it it it's a, it's quite an interesting way of doing it, but it is... It's just really codifying what you would do anyway, I think. Yeah. Whereas some of the things are giving you more plot to work, work on. And there are so just uh, there are two books on the snowflake method. One is the how to write a novel using the snowflake method, and how to write a dynamic scene um, using a so snowflake yeah. method. Oh, okay. They're the Do they generally got the same information in there? Pretty much, I would think. Uh, okay. I mean, um, Snowflake's not, it's not a difficult thing to get hold of, uh, yeah. you know, um, and there's websites out there actually, which which walk you through the, the questions and things. I've got yeah. one of them, which I picked up ages ago, but I can't remember what it, which one it is, um, which I, I, I could search through Kindle for about five minutes, but then that would take up five <laughs> minutes of airtime and that's not pretty good. So yeah. beyond that, very, very simple structures, there is the scene and sequel idea. And this is something that a lot of writing teachers will teach, but it's also something that's kind of been brought to the fore by the guy who wrote the Dresden Files, Jim Butcher, uh, who wrote a whole blog post about how, uh, how it works. And the idea is that you have got, uh, you, each of your characters will face a scene. So that's an action scene, something which happens to them a, a lot of the time. And then that's something that they have to react to. And then after they've done that action scene, they will have what's called a sequel. Now, this is the traditional way, the, the traditional meaning of the word sequel, not just it's, it's the second version of a film or something like that but actually it's a point of reflection where they're reflecting on the action that's happened in the first scene mm. so you do your first scene you have your first sequel at the end of the sequel the character decides to do something and that leads you into the next action scene which then affects the next which character. Then which then they take a, a pause and then they go and do the, the next sequel. Yeah. 
which mm. causes them to create. And so you're creating this role of, uh, well, they've done that. And now the decision that I have to make is what decision do, do they make? And once they've made and that decision, then what happens? And you use it, it's kind of a rise and fall, isn't it? So you sort of go up with the action for the, the and then the sequel and brings then, you down again to give down, the audience yeah, yeah. a breather and then brings you back up and then brings yeah. back. That's quite a standard one for, for action movies and, and well, things it, like that, Well, I mean, it? It, it happens, in fact, I think it happens fairly organically with most things. Mm. It, and But understanding that idea that there is a scene and a sequel, even if you don't use it quite like that, if you, if you use a much more uh, convoluted structure or something which is, you know, whatever it is that you, you choose as your best, understanding that idea that there is something action-y and then something not action-y where your characters can reflect for a moment is a really good way, when you, especially when you get stuck in the... If you're writing a, like a 90,000-word novel, you will get stuck in the middle. There's a reason why writers call it the muddy middle. Um, and if you can get to that point where you are you know you know that the next thing you need to do is this even yeah. if you don't quite know what it is it's just going to help you get through that 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 mess that little bit and it's even like you say it doesn't matter what other structures you're using i think this is a good idea to have that as an underlying sort of premise is is that it should go up and down, it, your story should feel like a wave of action, and it's like yeah. you've got to give your audience that 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 um, fun bit, and then you you bring it down again to give them a breather, and then they go, and then just as they're relaxing, you bring them straight back up into the tension and the action and the di yeah. the dynamic, and then you bring it, and it, it's it's that constant, and you will see it once you know that these structures exist, you start seeing them in films when you watch them and reading them in books, but. Yeah, that's a good true. underlying structure. And I like with just the two that we've spoken about. You were saying about the snowflake method. That is a really good approach to sort of getting your initial idea down, because um, it starts off. You've got your sentence summary, then you go your paragraph, and then you go your one page, and then you use that to build your story. So you can sometimes use a combination of these sort of methods to create. Yeah, yeah. Something. It, it's it's all. Um, I, I can't remember what I was listening to now, but it was a writing podcast and somebody was talking about taking taking everything step by step, mm. you know, and, and actually that's really what the Snowflake Method is about. It's, yeah. you know, it's going from big picture right the way down to the intricate bits of the story by... And, and by doing that and by taking a little bit of a step, so you don't need to answer all of the questions straight away. Mm. You just answer the question which is relevant to get you to the next little bit. Because we can yeah. all do a little bit, but we can't always do the big bits. So if you someone, just keep moving in terms of little bits, you'll eventually get there. And someone said to me, the best question you can ask yourself is why? Yeah. Why? Why yeah. are they doing this? Why mm. Why is this person driven? What is their motivation throughout this whole thing? And that will generally give you a hundred other questions to ask. More than likely, yeah. Surrounding yeah. that, once you've answered why, well, why are they doing this? Okay, well, how are they going to do this? Okay, when are they going to do this? Where are they going to do you You're four bums on a seat, as they used to call it, with the how, why, where, when, which, yeah. <laughs> sure. Um, but yeah, you can you can use that. You Because you... They were, Sorry, carry on. You were you were sort of talking about no, no, I'm, going I'm, through the methods. I, well, okay. So I suppose at that point you get to the first hero's journey, mm -hmm. which is very simple, twelve step process. Um, the hero, I can't remember all of it because I always had to look it up. Uh, the yeah, heroes got, in their ordinary world. Go, okay, go ahead because yeah. so it goes. Starts in the ordinary world, 
Yeah. They get the call of adventure. They refuse the call of adventure. Um, it says meeting the mentor, but I would say um, cha- a change point. Yeah. Yeah. First threshold, test enemies, allies, approach to the inmost cave, ordeal, reward, the road back, resurrection, return to the elixir, and then back to the ordinary world having changed. There's a lot of stories that are have a very loose theme based on that. Um, it's one of those things, again, we're going to mention Aristotle again, because mm. this is where a lot of this stuff ends up uh, having a root in it. Um, I've always thought that um, all stories will conform to that in some way, shape or form. Because that's the whole point of it was to kind of define how the stories worked rather than give the structure that you can follow that will let you write a story. That the fact that people are doing that is different, you know. Uh, but but it was originally defined as that because that was how all stories worked in some at some uh, more visceral so, level. Yeah. And when um, uh, Joseph Campbell was writing about it. Uh, in Hero with a, fa- a, th- a Thousand Faces, he he made note that some of these things happened in some stories and some of them didn't, and that sometimes uh, a thing that happened, uh, which happened in every story, didn't always happen at the same time in every story. So mm. people who look at this and go, this is the structure and this is the only structure you, you, you should use, even Campbell himself was a bit more flexible on how that could actually manifest itself, uh, well, which I think and, think that some of the other things, like we'll get on a bit later to, um, are, are possibly a bit better in terms of story structure. I would say, like you know, it's it's this is the thing. I mean, it, it, going back to that, there's no right or wrong way to do it as long as you have a beginning, middle, and end, which is your your plot pyramid, your basic plot pyramid. You go, yeah, yeah. here's your, your your beginning. Rising movement or rising action, climax, fall in action, end. And it, yeah. it's, it's such a simple plot to follow to mm. start with when you first start writing, just yeah, three point, boop, boop, boop. Um, and then you've got bits in between. But like you said, <sighs> there is no hard and fast way to structure your story. Um, and even with the hero's journey, like you said, it there's going to be bits in there that you want to put in. Sometimes you're going to take out bits. That's the beauty of writing is, is it is a flexible yes. thing that you can use. Yeah. And, and I personally, I kind of combine lots of different methods and then sort of use my own way I create my story arcs and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So it's, you know, um, but I still, on the very basic, it's, I use that wave where I go and yeah. we'll start at the bottom, bring it up, bring it down, bring it up, bring it down. I never put two action sequences together, never put two relaxed sequences together. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And know. that goes back, I suppose, to, to the, the whole scene sequel thing that, yeah, you you, you don't do these things just because they don't quite work. Yeah. And if you were to try it, you would go, oh, hang on, that that doesn't quite work. Mm. Um, and But but this is why, is because, yeah, you need the, the sense of, of tension and release. Um, like like everything. Now, at this point, we really should move into the three act structure, which is the the kind of a, original dramatic structure. Um, and some people would say, "Well, isn't the hero's journey more of a structure?" Because it, it kind of is. But three act structure has an awful lot more to it than than yeah. than that. So you're starting off with um, 
the beginning and, and, and inciting incidents and a lot of this follows the same path as Hero's Journey because again three act structure was really defined as in this is how we we've told stories it's not really somebody trying to form a, a way of telling a story if you see what I mean mm. um, so we've got the beginning the inciting incident the second thoughts maybe I shouldn't do this a climax at the un- end of act one and this is why I think the three act structure is absolute nonsense because you then have <laughs> Act 2, which is twice the length of Act 1 and 3. <laughs> it's, it's not just me, is it? Doesn't that not make sense? Surely that's four yeah. acts. Yeah, that's far as Especially I'm Especially because you get a midpoint acts. right in the middle of Act 2. Mm. So with, with Act 2... No, go on. I was going to say I prefer a five act rather than a three or four, but yeah. Fair enough, yeah. Because then the first act is set up, second act is rise, yeah. third act is um, action and tension, then yeah. we bring it down in the fourth act and then we close it off in the fifth. But that, that tends to be how I do live shows. I do podcasts very differently, so... <laughs> <laughs> yes, we've still, we're still, again, we're still at the writing stage at the moment. So what we're saying about how we're structuring this podcast could very well change mm. when we've written some stuff and we try it out and we go, actually, this would be better if we did that. It's entirely possible that's going to happen. So stay tuned and you'll find out. <laughs> so- and this is the, the, beauty of, the beauty of writing is that you can make your own stuff. Um, yeah. I, I yeah. bang on about the Dan Harmon method because that tends to be the one that I, I go sure. for. I sure. love that method because um, it's a circular thing and I can just bring it back, but I've, I can still change and it keeps going round and round and round. It's, but, yes, it's, it's the sense he makes of that, that particular yeah. thing, isn't it, that works really but, well. He created. He took, um, and his method is based off all the other circular methods. So you've got things yep. like your plot embryos, your, um, you know, your hero's journey. And the hero's journey is a cycle, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and he bases it off that, and he just created his own structure based off what was already existing. Um, and as a writer, you are absolutely allowed to do that. Don't yeah, let completely. anyone tell you as a writer not to invent, reinvent the wheel, because. You you don't need to reinvent the wheel, but you can make the wheel better. Well, it, um, if if <laughs> you people can put hadn't, rubber on it, if yes, if people hadn't reinvented the wheel, we'd never have a tire. That's, yes, we'd still know, be on. You know, we'd still be on. Yeah, wooden, Although, wooden there's, wheels. There's there's some interesting developments in terms of of uh, um, inner tubeless wheels that are happening at the moment, which people are testing. <laughs> out. So that's but interesting. the point is, you can know. you can take the structure that works, which is your wheel, and you can go right. Well, the wheel works. It works. It goes round and round. That's what it wanted to do. But yeah. we can make that basic thing and you, better. You so can, can say to yourself, "But I like to do this. I like to yeah. do that." You can pick and choose the bits that work for you. You can add your for rubber. any you structure, and do then your inner tubes. And, yeah, and yeah. then that's that's your structure at the end of it, and it mm. won't be any better or any worse than anybody else's structure as long as you're getting the very basics right. The kind of the overarching stuff that actually when we're just talking about structure, we haven't even touched on yet, yeah. but I'm sure we'll get to those. Um, so, uh, three-act structure. Uh, act one is a third. Act three is a third, which has the climax and the denouement. And that's it. And act two is just obstacle, 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 disaster. That's <laughs> that's how that works. Um Dan Harmon's story cycle comes just after that, I would say, because that's a bit more complicated, bit more hero's journey. Do you want to have a, a quick chat about, about that? Yeah. Um, so he tends to, so his structure tends, it's an eight-point structure. Yeah. Um, and he says they're in a comfort zone. 
then they want something. They enter an unfamiliar situation in order to get that something, mm-hmm. which they have to adapt to. They get what they want, but there's a heavy price. Then they return home to their familiar sen- situation having changed. So you can see that in a lot of his film, in a lot of his stuff, like Rick and Morty, is he uses that. That is his basic structure of Rick and sure. Morty, and it it works. Um, what I've I've made a few adaptions to it, and I've added things added things like catastrophic event, which would be your murder or whatever sure, sure, crimes sure. been committed. Um, mystery is created, and then we go into the sort of conflicts, which reveal secrets, which makes things worse. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it kind of just, you know, but there is still that point. There's still key points in there where they have to enter an unfamiliar situation. Because um, the hard thing with with the murder mystery is you start off with the victim. The victim starts with the story, yeah, and then you have to move to the detective because the victim story stops at the catastrophic event. Sure, yeah, of course. course. Whereas with something with most story structures, you're following a character. Whereas with the murder mysteries, well, not with all, but with particularly the way I write, I start with the character story. I end it at the the catastrophic event, and then the detective takes over. And then you see that, and then her storyline starts with her in her comfort zone just before that cat- catastrophic event, and then she's now got this new problem, which is having to deal with this. And this is where mine event. is slightly different because that for for uh, Peregrine and Windsor is the sort of the the prequel to the episode. The the, the dead character's journey is it's not really mentioned. Um, whereas we start off like Sherlock Holmes does every mm. week with Peregrine and Windsor in their ordinary world doing their thing. And then somebody comes to them saying, I've got a problem. All of this stuff has, has happened. Somebody's dead, Somebody, whatever. Yeah. Uh, but again, actually, it's the same structure with a different approach. That's that's yeah. all. That's all. And that's it. it it's um, So one of the things, uh, one of the, the show or the, the, the series I've watched is, is The Closer. And... They use the similar method to me. It's it's they introduce the victim at the beginning, so their opening snapshot scene is the victim, mm-hmm. and you know one of the people in that scene is going to die. <laughs> you don't know who, but yeah. one of them is. Yeah, fair enough. Um, and then you see the detectives in their normal situation, and the next thing you see is the death is the catastrophic event. So they've got the boom, 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 catastrophic again, and then the detectives That's take it. over, and then it's their story, yeah. um, and then and you learn about the the murderer and the victim. But alongside that, so you've got the two parallel stories running. Um, I like to have a story for each of my characters and interweave them into the main plot. That's what what I tend sure. to do. Sure. Um, so, because yours is very very different to mine, so I'll do. I've got hundreds of plot plot arcs. Not not literally. I'm exaggerating. But sure. he's told me a million times not to exaggerate. Um, I'll a joke, million and one. Good. A million and one, um, but yeah. So I'll have my uh, un- underlining storyline or my series story arc, yeah. And then within that, I'll have episodic stories, and then I'll have foreshadowing within those. So they're usually two or three episodes away from the one that's going to happen. Um, even if it's really subtle, you might have little story arcs going across for each character. Sure. They're sure. inconsequential, but you can you can investigate them and you can learn about those characters and they're still interesting. Yeah. Um, and they will still give you either red herrings or clues, not always clues, sometimes red herrings. Um, and then they sort of just interweave and they all interlock. And then once you get to the end, it's like, oh, they all they're all connected somehow, but you've got to find that connection. 
It's mm. not always the way, but that tends to be the way I look <laughs> at it and the way I approach it. So um, for somebody who's new to writing, would you say that Dan Harm is a good place to start? Or is it something that you say... need to get to after you've tried a few things? Um, I'd say Dan, Dan Harmon's is a good place to start. So I would say if you're wanting to just get your story so just for your planning concept, I would say start with your snowflake. So you start with your your summary, like just with that three point. Um, so you start with your sentence, go into your paragraph, then into your full page. You can use that to just develop your basic storyline sure. that's going yeah. to underline everything. But then when you're actually structuring on how you're going to tell that story, I would say I personally like the Dan Harmon method. It's a really nice, simple structure that you can play around with and you can go backwards and forwards with it. So sometimes you can go in, you know, some of the things I do is unfamiliar situation, adapt to it. Then there's a catastrophe. Then I have to go back to the unfamiliar situation and then then go around. Sure, yeah, yeah, cool. So you can do different routes off that. And and I think with that one, it's, it's you can incorporate other structures and other um, ideas. You've got, it, I think it kind of incorporates quite a considerable number because you've got that mm. plot arc. You've got the, the you know, you've still got your three points where you've got your rise in action. You've still yeah. got your, um, you know, you've got your hero's journey in there. So you've got, the, he's, I think he's what he's done is he's looked at all of them and kind of gone, I'm going to use a bit of that, a bit of that, and then created his own. The, the benefit of having a, a story arc really is so that a sort of story, a, a, a structure to work to, is really so that when you uh, go, I'm stuck, I don't know what to write, there is something telling you what to write. Mm. Um, and in that respect, I really like Save the Cat, yeah. which we is the last one because we're actually, we've talked for a hell of a lot of time on this wow. already um but yeah save the cat's a really nice structure there's a whole book about uh save the cat and save the cat writes a novel and save the cat writes a tv show so depending on which thing that you want to write uh there is a save the cat version for you and really you only need to get one of the books to kind of understand how it works um yeah. and and again i would choose the one um that that gives you the the closest match to what you're trying to do. So if you're trying to write a TV show, don't get the screenwriting one because that will show you how to write a movie. Um, or mm. if you're trying to write a novel, get the novel one, which is written by a novelist who writes novels using the system uh, rather than getting uh, Blake Snyder's one, which is brilliant. And it's the first one I ever read. But it's it, it's worth going for the thing which is going to be most helpful to you straight away rather yeah. than going, I need to write, read this Save the Cat book first. Cause you, you you don't. Um, no. There are also, if you want to f try and figure out what it is to begin with, there are beat sheets already on the internet that you can look up. And there is a fantastic video by a place called Studio Binder which explains... Uh, the Save the Cat beat sheets through looking at a film, looking at Interstellar, I think it is. Uh, but they actually show you which beat it is and how that works in, in terms of the film. And again, I'll try and link that in the show notes, murderingapodcast.com. Uh, in there, there should hopefully will be that, that video. Um, it's, 
again, I would recommend that. I would actually go out of my way to say this is is one if you've never done any writing before and you think you're going to get lost, that's a brilliant place to start because it does something that the others hint at but don't quite do. Dan Harmon one does, to be fair, in that um, most stories are about needs and wants. Yeah. That in the beginning, your character wants something. But by the end of the story, they not only have to realise that their want was selfish and that there was something else that they needed instead and that they've got that thing now that they needed, but they needed to make it. Um, this this is where the change comes in. This is um, uh, the, the point at which your character grows. That is is to to understand that the need is is uh, not good for them, but the the sorry the want is not good for them, but the need is, and then to yeah. pursue the need instead. Um, yeah, and that's built into Save the Cat, and it's pretty much built into Dan Harmon's as well. It's there in in the others, but it's not quite as stated as it is in in those two. But yeah. I think it's a really important thing to come onto. I would say absolutely. If you are if you are a new writer, use one of the existing methods that work. Save the Cat is a brilliant book to help you with that. Um, start with what works, and then like what what other people have already done, and then work. Then just add to it. Yeah, you know, mould it um, for you and how how you write yeah. and how how you get you know. And I think the reason why it's so hard to find um, good material on on how to plan and how to you know how to, to mold your story is because it is so unique to the writer and each writer mm. that's how you find your voice as a writer yeah. each writer yeah. has a unique voice like if i read one of um your work steve i know it's by you because you have that you have your voice like um i've had actors when they're reading when they were reading the um the, the viral murders the actors who've worked for me before they were reading it and they were like yeah that's tasha's humor because it's um yeah. <laughs> um but i've got my voice and steve's got his voice and you want that to be something that comes across and it, it takes time to work to, to to get your voice and your voice comes from your personal preference in terms of structure so i started with something that worked that i knew that was that other mm. people had done before and then i picked the bits i tried different methods Pick the bits that work for me, and then created my my own. I mean, like we've both been writing since we were kids, so yeah. we're like yeah. we've been doing this a while. And some of it we figured out ourselves. Some of it we've had the training, and we've 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 read the books, and we've worked with and, other writers. That, yeah, that sort of moves on to something as well because um, if you if you like art, if you want to draw comics or something, the chances are you will start out by mimicking the artists or the comic mm -hmm. creators that you love. Even to the extent of copying their art, you know, uh, drawing your own version of the Mona Lisa or something like that. The same is true with music. Most musicians mm -hmm. start by learning to, they just don't just learn to play the instrument, but they will learn to play the songs of the bands that they love. Yeah. They're mimicking what they do. And the things that they learn by doing that are really important and they help mm. to give you a foundation in the in creating those things later on. And what I think a lot of writers don't do <laughs> is to take writers that they love and yes. go, I'm going to try and write some something like that. Yeah. So until you've written X amount of 
thousand hours or whatever it is that you need to to write to become an expert at something you you know you're going to need things that are going to help you do it and story structure is a good way of doing it but actually if you've got the time um to to go out and start writing fan fiction on something that you really love that can really help you and i would say read as a writer as well um yeah because and watch things as a writer so when i read a book i am mentally taking note of the structure I'm mentally taking mm. note of how they build their characters or the story arcs. So I read from a writer's perspective as well as an audience um, perspective, um, which I mean, then if sort of... If you've ever seen a, a review for a film or something and they've said, oh, well, the writing's really clunky and it's a film you've seen, you go, but I, I didn't get that at all. Then go back and rewatch it and figure out why they think that writing is clunky because there yeah. will be lines in it that don't quite work. Yeah. Or, that you know, it'll be about tone and it'll be about um, the, the more than just this is a line of dialogue because it's so easy to write a line of dialogue, but it's difficult to write a good line of dialogue. Yeah. And this is this is the bonus of being a writer um, is you can be watching a movie and go, it's research. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but the other, Can I, mean, I claim this against hacks? Um, yeah. But the other thing is write what you love because you are going to have to read that thing a thousand times yeah. and you will get, if you don't love what you've written, you'll get sick to death of it. Um, and, and the other thing about that is that, that often, and we're going to have to finish in just a second, actually. Uh, mm. But very many times I've, I've I've heard people say, write what you know. And whilst I think that that's right, I mean, you know, don't try and write the next Lord of the Rings if you've never written a fa read a fantasy book before, because you, you, you won't. <laughs> because people who have read all of the fantasy books have struggled doing that. Um, yeah. it, it's... Uh, again, I'm going back to uh, things that I know people are looking for in scripts at the moment. It's stuff that's very honest and open and about people's lives. And people uh, will say, well, it, you know, write what you know, because what they want to see is something that feels honest. Yeah. But that doesn't preclude you from being um, the next Tolkien or you know whoever you want to be or the, the next lee child if you like the reacher books yeah. good series just watched it um <laughs> so that doesn't stop you from doing that at all um the thing is that you just you really need to know that subject and love that subject and yeah. be so connected with it that not writing it is is going to be a a burden to you in some way because there's the, there's the joke, and you see this quite often in films where someone goes, I know how to do that. Why are you into that? I'm a writer. And you kind of go, as a writer, you get that joke because you're like, the amount, people don't appreciate the amount of research you have to do in order yeah. to write about something. Yeah. Um, you know, I wrote, a, a, it's never been published. I never got beyond just sort of writing the first draft because I lost it. <laughs> mm. Um a book on a virus about a virus and it was scarily similar to what happened at the beginning of COVID-19 and I was kind of it was yeah a business megalomaniac had come into power in America mm. and then a virus happened mm. that, that was spreading throughout yeah so I was kind of sitting there going next all we need is a comet um, and this is my book yeah. but yeah. it was like the worst tragedy anyway it, it was just a bit of fun that I was writing and to write that, I had to learn 
how viruses worked and how vaccines worked, which was great when the pandemic hit. But it was, you know, but you don't realise how much cumulative knowledge you get from writing and and the amount yeah. of research you have to do yeah. in order to do it. Like writing murder mysteries, I've learned about blood spatter. I've learned about forensics. I've learned about forensic psychology. And I'm like, yeah, I could do good on a jury. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> well, actually, no, you probably number. couldn't. Because the whole point of a jury is that they're meant to not bring anything to the case. Well, no, but if you've got a good understanding of DNA and blood spatter and yeah, how it works, well, like there's certain ones you, where I watch it on a, TV and they go, is he guilty? Yeah. And I go, no, that oh, that's not hit yeah, there. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. There is no way that blood this. spatter would have worked like that if he's doing that. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, and there's other things that you watch, you go, oh, he's absolutely guilty based on the evidence because you uh, because you understand, if you how, yeah, understand how the, the evidence. How the evidence works and how, yeah. yeah, it, yeah it, you can yeah. then make a much easier decision. Yeah. Um, I think we were talking on the on the previous thing about the OJ and case, I, though. The evidence and what the, what there was presented were two different things. And, <laughs> and you, you'll often find this when uh, a case is brought to prominence, um, that... The, the law behind it, I'm I'm very interested in law and like sort of mm. legal dramas and things like that. So I, I tend to read up on, on things when uh, when it happens, especially when it becomes sort of public knowledge. The law on something might mean that somebody will go free and is perfectly within their rights to do something that actually you might find is completely objectionable. Yeah. Um, you, but there's a good reason that that law is there. And, you know, you have to you have to understand that and uh but because that is the way the system works it always has yeah. been the way the system works yeah. um it's it, it's very easy to go well this is all wrong because this happened but again it's it's learn to understand the law and you'll learn a little bit more about it and actually if then you write something which has a courtroom scene in you will be all the better for it because you, you yeah. you'll you'll write better legal stuff or of course the other shortcut to that is go and ask somebody who's a lawyer uh look i'm writing a book i'm trying to put this scene in what would happen and because they will tell you often it, without charging you a massive fee which a yeah. lawyer would normally charge you know it um, is absolutely worth doing your research when you're doing books yeah, and definitely, you will be surprised definitely. at how much like i say i am a font of useless knowledge now <laughs> like people speaking do say that, like, oh, of which fact. <laughs> Speaking of which, we have to font off right now uh, yes, because it's come to the end of, of our... We're trying to set time limits just because we would ramble otherwise. And if you've mm. watched these, you probably understand why. Uh, <laughs> but let us know. Uh, do you use... <laughs> have you tried using a story structure? Uh, if you have, what are they? What do you like? What don't you like about them? Um, how do you plan your stories? Let us know yeah. in uh, comments and messages and things. And uh, again, uh, the more feedback we'll get, the more we'll start to actually feature it on uh, on the podcast as we're going along. But, and also, do you have your own story structure that you've created for yourself? Yeah. That you would be happy you to, to share with other people yeah. to benefit other writers. Let us know. Until mm. next time, thanks very much for coming along. Goodbye. Good luck. Bang. Good riddance. No, that's not the right line. No, that's the wrong line. Bye, everybody. That was Murdering a Podcast, and if you'd like to find out more information about the podcast, the Mystery Lounge, or anything mentioned in the show, please head over to murderingapodcast.com. The music was The Secret of Tiki Island by Kevin MacLeod, and the producer was Steve Meller. Until next time, thanks for listening. <laughs>